but be doers of the word and not merely hearers, so deceiving yourselves. James offers us many challenging words, but I don't know that there's all that many that are as challenging as what we hear right here uh, in the reading that Skip read for us just a moment ago uh, in chapter 1 in verse 22. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Take the things that you've been able to receive. Go do something about it. With that, James prevents us from taking anything else that we might hear in the letter and just nodding and giving a nice hearty amen and then going about our business. This is not the kind of word, not the kind of message that we can just passively receive. It has to be. It demands to be converted into action. Whether we're listening to what he says about not showing favoritism based on a, what a person possesses, or whether he's talking about being generous in the way that we treat the poor, or whether he's, he's talking about pulling out of the kind of conflict that we can so easily find ourselves entangled with with our brothers and sisters, whether he's thinking about what it means to obsess about what we can obtain and possess rather than on simple obedience. James wants us to know that none of it's just words. That none of it is just about speech and the things that we might receive with our ears. But instead, every bit of it is something that is intended to be converted straight into action. Of course, James wants us to hear. It starts off with hearing, right? I mean, we started off talking last week about how James says that if we, when, at that point where we become aware that we lack wisdom, then we need to go and ask God. Say, God, give me the wisdom that I need, right? But is there any more foolish idea than a person that stands before God and says, God, show me wisdom. Show me how to live. And then... Hearing and receiving something in reply says, Nah, I'm good. I'm just going to go on and do what I was going to do anyways. Right? Or James says here in this uh, second part of chapter 1, he says, reminds us that we should all be, uh, and I love this proverb, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Maybe quick to listen to each other, but also quick to listen to God, right? Isn't that right? This is God. James wants us to listen to God. After all, he said in verse 21, right before the text that we're talking about, he says, get rid of uh, all sordidness and the rank growth of wickedness. What a turn of phrase, right? And welcome with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which has the power to save your soul. Well, be people who are open to receiving the word. Be a good listener. Whether it's the word from God or word from other people, from wise people within the community of faith, be somebody that's willing to listen. But James wants to make crystal clear that he is after more than our ears. 
that listening, while important and fundamental, listening is never the end of it. And that word which has the power to save our souls remains impotent. If it's not something that is able to penetrate beyond our earlobes and down into our hands. See, James wants us to listen and then act. Of course, like uh, Joel reminded us of the parable, uh, one of the parables of Jesus. There's another parable that's very, that reminds me of this too, right? Where Jesus says to a crowd of Pharisees and, uh, that uh, he, he tells them a story. He says, uh, there's a certain man that had two sons, and he, they, he wanted them to work in his field. And he went to one and said, uh, uh, I want you to go work in my field. And, and the man said, I'm not going to do that. And then after a while, he thought about it, and he went on out, and he started working in the field. And then he said to his other son, I want you to go work. And the son said, sure, glad to. And then the man left, and the guy went back to his video games and never did anything at all. It's not exactly like Jesus tells it, but you understand. And Jesus asked these teachers, these scholars, he says, so you tell me, which one of those two sons was doing the will of his father? And then he goes on to say, to point out to those, uh, those Pharisees, he says, you, did you realize that uh, in your community, there are a lot of people that you don't think very well of, these tax collectors and these prostitutes, and you, you think they're below you religiously. And yet when John the Baptist came, he shared a word, and they repented and believed. And you just kept doing your thing like it was never any difference at all. See, Jesus is pointing out that the upside-down flip that's happening in the kingdom of God was because certain people heard the word and were able to respond and do something about it. And even though they didn't look like the happening religious crowd, they were actually the ones. They were actually the ones that were doing the will of the Father. See, James here believes in the importance of the word he believes in that uh, importance of being able to receive what what we can from God but it's uh, also important and in fact it, sh it actually demonstrates whether we really received anything or not that we take what we hear and we go and actually act on it that we respond to the word with action this is Part of what James is trying to teach us about wisdom. That contrary to the notion that we might have that, uh, of the wise sage who practices his wisdom by sitting on top of a mountain in a little pose and dispensing wisdom to everybody that comes to him, James wants us to understand that the truly wise person is the person that understands the way of God in the world and then follows that with action. There's no accident that the uh, nickname for the person that we're following that we're that we're listening to here was not just James the wise or James the teacher of good advice it was James the just but a reputation for caring for the needs of people James wants us to listen sure but to listen and then act 
That's what real godly wisdom does. See, earthly wisdom, and James is going to tell us something about what uh, the kind of wisdom from below. And wisdom from below later on the book is going to be characterized as the kind of thing that starts conflicts, it starts fights. It's the kind of thing where people believe themselves to be wise, and then they, kind of, they hold that against other people. And they delight in being able to uh, demonstrate the wisdom that they have in nice, sharp, pithy words that they level on other people. There is a wisdom that is all in speech, but that's not the wisdom that comes from God. The true wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, in I think James's world, is wisdom that's able to understand what God wants and what God is doing in the world and then take action on it. We'll say it this way. Godly wisdom. True wisdom. Acts. True wisdom acts. It does something. It has a way of making a difference in the world. There's another way that I thought about this kind of tension between the, the kind of parodied person that thinks themselves to be really wise but doesn't really do anything and, uh, and what James is actually trying to help us to become. He uses a, a very common sort of word here, this, this word that, we've, uh, that we read in, that, in verse 22, that he's a, become a doer. Become doers, he says. Okay? Or a, another way of kind of thinking about that, that language is, is to become makers, creators. It's the word, the, the word do there, doers, is actually the word that we get our word poet from. Isn't that interesting? I mean, we kind of have a stereotype of a poet as somebody that doesn't do anything but sit under a tree and write words on a paper, right? They're kind of like the useless, a useless artist. But in, in the worldview, I think, that James comes from, the act of doing is an act of creating. It's an act of making. See, the kind of action, this isn't just hollow action, it's not like we become, uh, that, we, that we hear the word and then we go and make ourselves busy. That's not what James is calling us to, busyness. He's calling us to a kind of action that has reflected on what we've heard and then goes and enacts that in the world. And if you want to think about how profound that is, imagine that our actions are how God chooses to make His Word manifest in the world now. See, when we receive the Word of God and then we go act, then the Word of God isn't just echoing around as an empty sound. It becomes a powerful force in the world, doing good, doing difference. See, it's the way that we can kind of uh, practice what I think of as like creative action, right? It's a, it's a kind of creative doing that makes, uh, brings about what God is trying to do in creation. You know, there's this connection between wisdom and creation. So I wanted to read that, that psalm this morning, the big psalm 104. It talks, it's one of those places where we uh, think about God's wisdom is made manifest and how he creates things with the, in the world. and he, he fills the world with life. And when we join with God and we hear his wisdom and we receive it and then we act, 
we participate in that creative work of God in the world. That kind of creative work that really brings about the kind of good creation that God wanted in the first place. We're not just talking about, when we talk about being doers, we're not just talking about being people whose bodies are kind of filled with motion. We're talking about being people whose bodies are filled with the kind of action that partners with what God is doing in the world. And that strikes me as a difference worth thinking about. See, it's not be doers instead of hearers. It's let your hearing make you into a doer of the things that you've heard. So we listen and act not in opposition of each other. We don't act instead of listening. We listen and then we act out the things that we've heard. And we participate in God's creative work in the world. I think that space where we hear what God really wants, listening as much as we can to the ways that we can gather God's wisdom, whether it be uh, meditating on the words of Jesus or hearing what his disciples thought it meant to follow him in the early ages, or reflecting on what God might be saying in our community and our brothers and sisters by his Holy Spirit. We hear all that. We meditate on what it is that God is trying to do in the world, and then we follow, and we do, and we act. It doesn't do us a lot of good to get that vision of what God really wants the world to be like, and then to just say, well, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Maybe someday, right? Thinking about that this weekend, um, I've, I can't help but connect some of what I'm thinking in James with what, uh, what our nation thinks about in terms of the life of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. In, in his letter to a Birmingham jail, which is uh, something I try to read every year, you know, uh, this time of year, um, Dr. King talks about how uh, there are lots of people that see the vision there are lots of people who actually can see this vision for racial justice, for equality. He says his biggest problem isn't his biggest problem wasn't with the people that were outright racist and they were out saying, you know, trying to perpetuate racism by their vicious words and deeds. He says, my biggest problem is the white moderate, the person that agrees with the vision, but says, you know, it's not really time to do that. The, agrees with the person and says, you know, it really would be nice if we all were treated equally and everybody had equal rights, but that's something for another day, and there's no reason that I need to personally be involved with that. Let's just put it off for later. See, there's a world of difference between having a vision and understanding the vision for something and then actually being able to, being willing to Put your body into action to do something about it. And it doesn't really do any good if your mind is all in favor of justice, but your body won't take any action to bring it about. It doesn't really do any good if your mind is all on board with the kind of good creation that God wishes to have. If your body isn't willing to follow through by loving your neighbor as yourself. 
This, of course, would be a little bit absurd if this was the week we had a super long sermon, right? And instead, I want us to just quickly turn to two questions that I think are important in helping us move to action. The first one is, I want to ask you, who is it that inspires you to act? What do you think about the world, the community that you live in? And I want to think about the people that inspire us to do something. It may be that for you, some of those people are here. It may be that for you, some people, those people are elsewhere. It may be that those are people that you read their books, or you see them, or you listen to them on TV or whatever. And when I ask this question, because I, I, think it's, I think it's really important, first of all, to be discerning about the people that we let motivate us for action. You know, if the people that motivate us to act... Uh, really are speaking of the vision of God and really are speaking about what God is trying to bring about in the world, and that's all well and good. But we need to be careful about those who would inspire us to act, who are really good at motivating us to do something, but don't really have uh, God's best interest in mind. I think it's a question to be discerning about, but I think it's also a question that can ch to challenge us as a community. Let us be a community that is determined to inspire each other to action. The classes that we're having in James, I mean, I, I'm super pumped that we're having all this time where we study and reflect and meditate on these words from James. But as we talked about with our teachers, and I think we need to say with, our, with the whole church, listen, let's let our study not be just a study that changes some of the things that we think and gives us information about the book of James. Let's let our reflection on this book, let's be a community that inspires each other to act on it, right? Isn't that who we want to be? Let me ask you a different way. Don't you want this to be a community that every time you come here, you walk out these doors ready to do something? Not just like I learned something neat about the Assyrians this week. Okay, I mean, I mean, I love the. I, I, okay, I don't. I, I don't know. Loving the Assyrians isn't the way I wanted to phrase that. I love talking about the Assyrians. I love talking about the old ancient Babylonians. I love talking about uh, the ancient Greek word that do and make and all that kind of stuff. I love geeking out on all that stuff. But that's not the point. Everything we learn is to be learned for the sake of putting something into action. And it can, if we hear it right. Let's be the kind of community that is constantly inspiring each other to act, or as the Hebrew writer put it, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but instead, let us, what, provoke each other to love and good deeds, right? Provoke each other to act. Let's be that, that kind of community. And the second question that I wanted to ask this morning is, not what do you want to do a month from now, not what dramatic action do you want to take, I want to ask, what small step can you take today? Today. And I mean that as literally as I can. I imagine that for each of us, that there is some small thing 
that we could do today that would put wisdom into action in our lives? I mean, maybe it's that uh, we have somebody that we've been cultivating conflict with, and we've been nurturing suspicion and distrust with, and today is the day that we decide we're going to put an end to that, and we go and we have a conversation with them, and we begin to make some peace. Or maybe we don't have the gumption to walk up to them just quite yet, but we send them a text that just says, hey man, I want you to know that we've had our problems, but I really do appreciate you and I love you. I want to ask you real quick, if you're involved in a big conflict, is that too much for you? Is it too much to just start a, a small conversation and have a little small talk or a little peacemaking text with the person you have conflict with? Or is that a small step, a small threshold that you could cross today and convert wisdom into action? Or it may be that there's somebody in your workspace or whatever that you feel like has just been having a hard time and you want to encourage them. And maybe your small step today is that you stop by Kroger and you pick up a little card that you're going to write them a little something of encouragement and put it in their uh, you know, put, give, put it in their hand tomorrow when you go to work or whatever. Okay? Okay, let me, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people in all of our lives who are struggling or hurting. They're kind of feeling like, a little, like they're isolated and then they're on their own. And it might be that with just one small action like that, you could begin to bring a little light and encouragement in their life. Or maybe you go over to Aldi or over to McDonald's and you decide you're going to pick up a couple of gift cards that have 10 or whatever dollars on them, and you're going to put that somewhere on the dashboard of your car, and next time you see somebody that's looking for a little food or something like that, you decide you've got something that you can give them instead of just having to say, like we all do all the time, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have anything today, right? Well, put something in your hand. Give yourself a tool. Be ready for when an opportunity comes that you might be able to provide a little bit of Substance for somebody that needs a little help. I mean, I just believe that we are meant to do great and grand things and that we are meant to be a dramatic gesture of God's love in the world. But you know what? I believe that before we can get to that place, we got to be willing to take the little small steps that we can take. And instead of waiting for the big, dramatic, climactic thing that we can do, do to show everybody how grand it is, right? I believe there's a space for us to just commit to saying, the small thing that I can do today is better than the grand thing that I might do on a tomorrow that never comes. And it might be that I could just put it off and put it off and put it off with all of the best intentions in the world. Or maybe I can just do something today. And maybe it is that once we become a people that's in the habit of inspiring each other to action, and once we become a people that is willing to take small steps as they become evident to us, that we find that today isn't just a day where we can take a single small step, but maybe we can take two or three. And lo and behold, it turns out that tomorrow is a new day. 
and probably a new day that has a couple of small steps in front of us too. And then Tuesday morning rolls around and wouldn't you know it, there's that small step of wisdom. And people that are willing to follow with obedience, small step after small step, listening all the way, I think become the sort of picture of wisdom that God wants us to have. This morning, don't be people. I don't know, I'm trying to rephrase this in my mind, but I don't know that this is really the place for a bunch of novel creativity, right? Let me just say it this way. Become doers of the word and not merely hearers of it. So deceiving yourselves. Let's pray together. Oh God, as you speak, may we hear. And as we hear, may we do. And as we do, may you be honored and glorified. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have something that you wish to share with the church this morning, or if you wish to take one of those small steps, uh, and certainly one of those steps might be for you that you decide that you want to come and become a follower of Jesus, take on the step of baptism. And we certainly welcome you to do that while we stand and sing together.